everyone, and welcome to another Scots We Hate podcast. And today I'm joined by writer C.F. Peterson to discuss The Purified, his latest novel published by Scotland Street Press. Hello, Callum. Hello there, Alistair. So first of all, I want to say I finished The Purified last night and I absolutely loved it. Um, I'm very wary of giving away any spoilers. So what can you tell us about it? Yes, without giving away spoilers, that's it's it's, uh, it's not an easy task. Um, it's set in Duncool, which is an imaginary village in the Highlands, um, Central Highlands, sort of joined on to the West Coast because those are, those are the two places in the Highlands that I grew up, so and where I live now, and um, it's the story of. Um, Eamon Ansgar, who, who is the hero of the, the first novel, which was Errant Blood. And um, here he is living in his castle with his wife now and his young child. And then um, something terrible happens. There's a murder in the village and he sets out to A, find out, well, he thinks he knows who's vaguely responsible to begin with. He sets out to find out and, and um, uncovers all kinds of uh, terrible things in the all in the local vicinity so it's very much focused and all set in this very small community um, and um, he discovers you know that this very small part of the world is intensely connected to everywhere else in the world which is which is kind of the theme of the the first book as well this idea that we live in is isolation in the Highlands is, is, is one of the things that I'm dispelling. I, don't, I didn't set out to do that, but it's just the way things are things turned out when I was writing these books that, you know, there's no such thing as isolation, really. Um, and the and, you know, the, this 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 sort of romantic pastiche of the Highlands, you know, we're all we're living in wee crofts, um, with pretty castles and all that kind of thing. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's, I suppose people think it's something like the Shire in uh, <laughs> Lord of the Rings. But um, what happened in the first book, what happens in this book is you, is, you, is you soon discover that there's, I suppose, forces that uh, permeate the entire planet have their nexus in these small communities, which I think is true to life. No. It's, I mean, to say that there's a lot going on in Dunkel, particularly uh, in the second book, is really uh, understating it. You know, there are all these different things, come, but as you say, the connection, uh, uh, it, it, it's like, it, it's like this, in the book, it's the centre of the universe, and I guess wherever you are, you are in your own centre of the universe, and everything yes. that's going on does affect you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, so I wanted to explore in this book. Um, it was written at the time. I started writing it in, I suppose, um, 2018, and so it was pre-COVID. Yeah. But it was it was um, it was leading up to, and it was 20, 2019. It was leading up to. It was uh, there was all this, the ferment in the United States with Trump being president and. Um, I was I was spending an awful lot of time, and also it was post Brexit as well. So I was spending an awful lot of time. I suppose you could say a pretentious way of putting it is studying these issues. But 
basically I was on social media like everyone else and just I was marveling at the 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 the, the level of vitriol from both sides of the argument that was um and I mean you know especially what was going on in the states at the time you know and they started all these protests with the Antifa movement and all that kind of thing and then there was the backlash against that and there was this big battle and uh but I was all I was watching this obviously from the from my wee house on a croft in the highlands um but i wanted to examine all i wanted to make sense of all these things and that's what these these books even the first book which is a, a quite a different plot but it's really an attempt to 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 look at the world and try to make sense and and, and in the process of writing I, I i feel in myself i managed to make some kind of sense of what i thought about these issues and where i stood on these things that were reading in their heads you know these big uh, powerful issues um, and also trying to I suppose at the same time also trying to achieve a, a, a certain level of equanimity as regards everything because it's very easy to get caught up um, by the, the I mean it's a dramatic way of putting it but the level of despair that 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 comes at us when we're looking at these things you know um, so yeah, that was that was that was the starting point. It was really trying to make sense of of the of all that stuff. I mean, that's a very general way of putting it. But I suppose I suppose the the way that people describe it is the culture war. But um, I don't think it's got very much to do with culture, to be honest. I mean, it's um, it's a political battle, and yeah. um, culture. The culture war kind of dignifies the dignifies the argument but i don't think it's you know culture is a better thing than what's been argued about here i think well i think it's 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 bigger in that sense because there are a lot of the themes if we can look at them without going into specifics you've got yes ecology future of the planet you've got religion nationalism even the rewilding of the the highlands and uh, which yeah. i did enjoy the kind of creatures that are taken there and you know even and you've got anarchism and you know it's there's there are big themes going on here as you say and there may be I can understand now you're talking about when it was written why these things were in the headlines but they're still in the headlines now just in a different yeah, way yeah. yes so and, and I and I think what I what I realized while I was writing the book and then thinking about it afterwards, because because the process of writing for me is very much following a plot. It's very much, you know, I start with the murder. I mean, I'm sure a lot of thriller writers work in the same way. And then you try and work out what happened. And you don't necessarily know yourself at the beginning what happened. And then you go through the whole process of writing the book. And then you come out at the end and you think, well, what was what's that book actually about? And then that, you know, that for me, the, the interesting process for me was discovering so I, when I first, you know, when I was writing, I thought, well, this is about, for example, the debate about rewilding. Um, it's about, you know, uh, the, our relationship to the planet. Um, how do we see, do we see the planet as being something to be exploited? Do we see the planet as something to be preserved? That, that argument. Um, what I discovered in writing it is that, for me, that's, a, that's really a, it's not a big argument. I mean, I'm actually, you might not, think this from having just read the book but i'm really in favor of rewilding i mean think it's an obvious it's yeah. an obvious a very obvious uh uh yes for me for rewilding you know what what do we have at the moment we have a situation in the highlands where 
the top predator is we do have a top predator it's just it's a fund manager in plus fours you know but we have this huge problem um of the over over huge hugely overpopulated with red deer and you know is kept down by by very expensive tourism um bankers coming up from london and shooting the deer and you know the obvious uh solution in a sophisticated society is to reintroduce the top predators. I mean, they have top predators all over Europe. They have wolves all over Europe. And people don't cower in their beds, you know, while worrying about the wolves. I think, it, so that argument for me is settled. Um, and there's lots of, there is a lot, there's a big movement in the Highlands now. Um, a, a, quite a few big landowners. I mean, the biggest landowner, Anders Poulsen, he wants to rewild his estates and there's plenty of others like him. So. So, I mean, it wasn't really, in the end, it wasn't about that. It's really about this dynamic between the rich and the poor. That's what I discovered as the more interesting and far more pertinent uh, story to discover. I mean, this is the story, um, without, get, without being, a, this isn't giving a spoiler, there's a dynamic between somebody who wants to stay on his land and somebody that wants him off his land. I mean, yeah. that's a story yeah. that's been repeated um, I get, and fam most famously, of course, of Donald Trump trying to clear people off his golf course um, near Aberdeen, which I'm sure lots of people will remember. And I know of I know of another case, a similar case happening right now down the road from me. It's exactly the same story. A billionaire guy wants to clear uh, the whole Glen, and there's one man, there's one man who refuses to to leave his croft. So the, you know that's the more interesting story because this dynamic between the rich and the poor and that's a theme that comes up again and again. It comes up a, uh, even at the very core of the story. The hero of the story, Eamon Ansgar, is a landowner. Yeah. And yeah. he's um he's a he's he has all the 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 privilege that goes with that and the responsibility that goes with that. Um but the reason I find him interesting is because he's he's somebody who actually thinks about these things. He thinks about his responsibility he thinks about his guilt and he so he's a conflicted very much a conflicted landowner he's not um a triumphalist landowner which unfortunately in my experience most of them are um but that's so that's a that's a theme that's right at the core of the book and 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 i can't you know talk too much about it as we say about spoilers but but it's something that which becomes very relevant um towards the end of the book is this whole idea of ownership and not ownership and what it means. Um, and then of course, there's the, the, the anarchists in the book, um, different kinds of anarchists. But of course, at the root of the anarchist idea is, um, I mean, it's been around for more than a century is this very straightforward idea of property is theft. Mm -hmm. And um, that's something which, the hero himself um, hears, has to hear through the story, is this 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 idea that um, we actually live in a system where um, you know we talk about violence, we talk about the violence of the Antifa movement, for example, but we actually assist. We live in a system which is necessarily propped up by a very very intrinsic violence, which is the violence of private property. Mm -hmm. So that's that's another thing that I wanted to look at. Well, I didn't even know I wanted to look at that when I was writing it, but that's what I ended up looking at.
it's so interesting to talk about the way you write that you start with a thriller and we'll go on to the the, the, the way it's written in, in a bit and then you find the kind of what it's really about. I think that's really interesting from a reader's point of view because that's kind of what you do as well. You go in expecting, mm -hmm. well, um, especially people who have read your first book, you think, well, there's going to be mysteries to solve and, and you know murders and violence and all of these things. And then you start mm -hmm. to get into the themes. And it's also interesting to hear that you started writing it in 2018. And I've read it now you know, on the other side of COVID for want of a better term. And mm -hmm. to read it in that way, because there are also themes of nature finding a way, fighting back. And that's something that came through, certainly the first lockdown was that, you know, we weren't on the streets, we weren't driving cars, we weren't going mm -hmm. to work and all of those things. And you could yeah. hear the birds in the sky and you, I'm living in the city, I live in Glasgow. And it was really odd to kind of, you didn't have traffic noise, you had natural noise again, things like that. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. also there's a, there's a gathering that happens and I almost started thinking, you know, this is this is it's not like COP26, but it's a big gathering in a place that you might not expect. And it mm -hmm. kind of fits into the themes as well. So there's so much you can read into it mm -hmm. now that you wouldn't have thought about when you were writing it. You couldn't have thought about mm -hmm. when you were writing it. Yes. And also, I mean, that gathering that you refer to, the, the, this is this is another theme that um I find fascinating in a not in a nice way, is this. I suppose what the way that it's generally described as is the rise of populism. Um, to to me, a more succinct way of looking of saying it is that it's just ex the cynicism of there's a certain kind of politician who the, the level of cynicism is astounding, and this is happening all over Europe. Yeah, and it's happened. It's happening. It's happened. It's happened in Britain, yeah. um, and. Um, that phenomena of the um, the populist uh, pop, uh, politician who is completely detached from any real care about the population, and it's it's a it's a it's a it's a bizarre phenomena. You know, I find it's 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 like you know people people compare it to fascism. Well, of course. I sometimes think that the fascists were less disingenuous than, than these guys. They didn't have the history of fascism to look back on, you know. Yeah. But, but we do. We've got the lessons of history. Um, we, we've, we've seen where fascism leads. And, you know, Mussolini, for all his wickedness, didn't have the lessons of history to reflect on. But we're, you know, these guys now are really, um, I mean, I, they're really, they're, they're really, T terribly cynical people and I think that that's that's another thing that really bears scrutiny is watching what's happening all over Europe with these guys and yeah. it's it's so interesting because you do have these cynical characters but then you also have these people who appear to be anyway true believers you mm -hmm. know mm -hmm. and are absolutely dedicated dedicated in ways that are you know terrifying to their yeah cause and to their belief and other people who are dedicated in more recognizable ways as well yes 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 so that's true there's there's these as i say there's these cynical players there's these people who are just out really at the end of the day they're just out for themselves and they'll take advantage of of any prejudice they can get hold of but then there are these people who are as you say they're deeply sincere and um convinced and um 
you know, very, very, very passionate. Um, and I would say very, 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 very wrong. But they are, yeah. they are, but they are, but they're not disingenuous. They are sincere people. And um, and that's another another phenomenon which really bears looking at. Um, and you can't put them in the same category. And they, they, they are, they're being taken advantage of and they're being led by cynical politicians. Yeah. But they do have deep concerns which you can't you can't ignore you know we as you know we can't we can't ignore them so and that's on both sides of the argument that's on um which would broadly be described as the left and the right but it exists on both sides i mean um so ultimately yes yeah, so, so the the main character Eamon, he has to he has to come to terms and he has to come to he, he has to gain some sort of understanding through the action of the story about the, the significance, the value of these different groups. Um, and that's the journey I hope the reader goes on, is, is contemplating things. And, and the way that I see the novel and even, the, the, you know, even a, 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 novel, a novel like this, which is a, merely a thriller, um, as a way of, of, of contemplating things without necessarily coming to a conclusion. And that's the value of it. Um, I've never been able to write essays because I can't come to any real conclusions. But So it's interesting, when I read Errant Blood, I compared it to Ian Banks. And I think the stuff that we've just spoken about is why I compared yeah. it to Ian Banks in that he was writing thrillers, but there was often a lot more going on uh, in his books. But this time round, I always also thinking about Agatha Christie because when mm -hmm. I started writing the book or reading the book it's you don't give anything away and you don't give anything away for quite some time there's lots of questions who's that person why are they doing that why is this person acting that way what's the background to this and it goes on I say a hundred pages or more into the book was that something you deliberately wanted to do to kind of keep the secrets close to you until pretty much near the end in fact some right at the end Yes, well, I have a confession to make here is that actually when I was writing it, I really didn't know how it was going to end. And I don't know if <laughs> I, did, I had, a, you know, I had, I, had a, I had a vague idea, but, but I wanted to discover myself um, during the process of writing where I was going. Right. And I hope that I've managed to, I, I hope that I've managed to sustain the level of suspense, the level of threat for the reader without losing him or her too, you know, without, without get them getting too lost in the thicket of characters and plot lines and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, that's, I, that, I mean, that's partly the reason why it appears like that, because there is, there is, a, there is a sense of confusion. Um, who would, you know, the, the, here's the murder at the beginning, who would commit the murder? Why would they commit? There's lots of different reasons why it could happen. and. Um, I didn't make up my mind until a good chunk through the book who who the actual murderer was. Um, so that's probably why it appears like that. I'm I not sure if that's a good thing. It is. It really is because you've got. I mean, Eamon really is your detective, isn't he? He's your yeah. through your eyes. He's trying to solve what's going on, and he's confused, and he yeah. follows the the red herrings or the deliberate, uh, you know, um, the 
different streets to go down and say, well, it's this person and then realizes and uncovers other things. So it absolutely, but it's interesting to hear that's how you work. You wanted to discover what's going yeah. on yourself, which I know having spoken to other thriller writers, sometimes they absolutely have to know the end before they know the beginning, yes. you know, yes. not just from who, the murders, but actual, you know, the conclusions. But I think that makes for a really, well, how you've done it makes for a really thrilling read in itself. And also there's a lot of scenes that really brought me up short. They're quite shocking in their kind of violence that, that goes on. Mm -hmm. And I wondered, if you're writing that way, are you shocked when these things happen? Are you surprised rather when these things happen? I am. I'm constantly surprised and I also um, shocked. It was funny because somebody asked me the other night, I was doing a reading the other night and they asked me about violence in the book and whether, whether um, I found it cathartic and whether I, I um, where I got, you know, the inspiration for the violence and the, the first answer I came up with was that I really don't like writing violence and I don't I don't like writing wicked, evil, horrible characters. I find it actually, but it's obviously necessary. I mean, you can't have a thriller without having baddies. And yeah. but I I you know obviously so but I but I find that a very, very painful uh, experience. I mean the, in the first book there's a there's a very nasty guy and I, he made me ill. I mean, at the time I was writing, I was feeling, you know, actually physically sick from writing um, the, you know, the really nasty guy at the center of errant blood. And, um, but then of course there is a kind of catharsis uh, when you, when you manage, when, when obviously another thing that happens in the thriller is that, is that the good guys win in the end. And, um, so there is that catharsis that, you know, there's violence and then there's counter violence and there is a level of, you know, there's a level of, so, so I think the, the person that asked me this question was trying to work out what kind of a psychopath I am. That I, <laughs> I can write such grotesque scenes. Um, so it's there, the, 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 the violence is, um, is, is certainly there, but I, but I don't, you know, it's not something I relish. It's something I that really repels me. The other question that this person asked is, is where does this come from? You know, why, how am I able to write this violence? And I was trying to explain to them that I grew up in a housing scheme in East Lothian in the 1970s and violence was uh, was just the currency of everyday life. You know, it's, a, it's a, maybe something that some of my readers, uh, especially of the younger generation, don't really, understand they don't they don't get what it was like you know at that time in that environment you know violence was just it was just normality when i look at my own children you know who, who've grown up here in the highlands and they just they have no idea the you know the the, the experience that um, we went through when we were kids you know at that time so but anyway that's i, I digress um i was but going to say something about you, you, were, you were saying about Agatha Christie and, you know, that sort well, of her... I just wondered as well, when I thought that, what your influences actually were, because certainly the way that um, I could imagine uh, at, at the end, you know, you start to see things start to fall into place. And, mm -hmm. you know, you do you are left satisfied by the end, you know. You know mm -hmm. um, and I did wonder what your kind of influences were in terms of writing. Well... You mentioned Ian Banks, and what I loved about Ian Banks, and I still love about Ian Banks, is that um, 
the, the range of experiences that he could write about in the Scottish context, which, you know, the one book of his, which I always remember, I mean, I haven't actually read all his books. He, he wrote quite a few, but um, it was is uh, the one called Whit. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that rings a bell with you, but yeah. it's, it's got that it's got that theme of of, uh, you know, it's about a religious cult and it's about somebody, you know, escaping from a religious cult and but and it's all set in you know it's it's set in Britain but it starts off in Scotland and I think Stirlingshire and um, that's what I loved about him was that he he as you say he took all these I suppose you could say philosophical or political themes and he put them into these very very um, uh, easy to read stories you know very it was very it was very much um, it wasn't obscure in any way what he was doing. So Ian Banks, in terms of um, Scottish, a Scottish writer, yeah. and then of course, the things that influence you so much are things that you you see in your childhood and you read in your childhood. John Buchan, um, yeah. and um, his, I mean, and, and I can never remember whether it's from reading the book or seeing the film, but it's this is set it's it's the 39 steps and the the part of the 39 steps which is in the highlands is is one of these things that had a huge resonance for me um because it you, you know you've you've got to see your own environment in the right in other people's writing and in filmmaking for it to come alive in your imagination i think and that's that so john buchan in that sense but i mean i say this to people and people they maybe don't recognize the influence but i mean dickens has always been hugely formative to me um and it's i suppose it's because when i was a kid my mother used to read david copperfield and oliver twist to me and that just you know it's never left me that world and i can't write about london in the 1840s i can only really write about what i know which is the highlands yeah um I would like to write about other places, you know, but I've lived in South Africa, for example, but I've said this before, I, I, I've, 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 it's not that I've forgotten South Africa, it's that I can't get to grips with um, that, that universe because I haven't been there for so long, I haven't been there for more than a decade. So, so I really I had to write about you know, my own environment. But I suppose that's the, in terms of influences, um, in terms of, um, modern influences more recent influences than that i mean i'm i i love a good thriller i mean i like um i like lee child i mean i don't write anything like him but i i love i i just he's fantastic at, at plotting he's fantastic at driving the story forward you know and then robert harris of course who's 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 a bit more um there's a bit more sort of weight to his background than, than Lee Child. Um, so I'd say, yeah, I mean, and then of course I do watch a lot of telly like everyone else. Yeah. And I think that influences my work. Um, I mean, I do, yeah, it, um, I was brought up to believe that there was something wrong with watching too much telly. <laughs> you, yes. you were supposed to read books, but there is an awful lot of good stuff. Um, there's an awful lot of good series. And as we all know, you know, Absolutely. Very well done. So, as they say, a golden age of the television series. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting talking about Dickens and Copperfield, going back to what you spoke about at the beginning. I mean, there's the kind of ultimate writer who looks at the difference between the rich and the poor. And yes. Putting them together. And the themes that are in there, I can absolutely, now that you've mentioned it, um, and see 
uh, coming through, and uh, and that idea of pace from a modern thriller. I I think with uh, with your book, it almost you almost speed up as you kind of keep going because you want those answers. You want to know, you know, yeah. and what's kind of gone in the past. Um. In terms of the setting, then let's go back to that because it is a place where the old meets the new. You know, it is as you say, it's it's not the stereotyped um, uh, thirty nine steps, the Bothy in the middle of the Highlands, and nobody mm -hmm. near it. It is looking at that modern thing, and it seems that it is very important to you. Part of me thought, well, one, it's an area that you know. More cynical part thought. Well, it's still a place where you might not get mobile reception, which, you know, in a lot of thrillers these days, a lot of people say, oh, mobiles have, have killed the thriller because you can do yeah, yeah. But where you, where Duncal is, it's still a place where you might not get that kind of reception. Okay, absolutely. So was it really important for you to kind of present uh, this as a place where... Um, you know, anyone that knows the Highlands knows it's absolutely where the, the old Scotland meets the new Scotland. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think that's that is that is a theme, as you say. There's this this Scotland, you know, the Highlands. It's a romantic um, pastiche, you know, in the tourist brochures and all that sort of thing, and it's um, portrayed as somehow being, you know, like it's like the film Brigadoon. You know, that's what people expect they're going to get, and um, it has enormous resonance. And of course. And, and I think from my parents, because my parents moved to the Highlands, they moved from the Lowlands and my, my father moved from Newcastle. And so they, they came to the Highlands, I think with a sort of romanticism about what it was like. But of course, when you're the child of those parents and you actually grow up in the place, you know the other side of the story. It's just like everywhere else. And um, so, but there is still this very, strong residue of a feudal structure in the highlands you still have these big estates big old houses and castles very wealthy people um and then you have the village you know at the end of the road down there and it's it's so in that, in terms of the old and the new that structure that social structure is very very you know, it's, it's a constant in everyone's life. And lots of people work for the estates, they depend upon the estates. So, but there's still this tension. And then the, the, um, the funny thing is about the old, of course, in, in lots of ways, the Highlands is not as old as people imagine. It's a manufactured, because, I mean, if you think about it, it really only starts in the, um, the 18th century, this structure, this, yeah. this, this vision, of how people live and what they, it starts with it even, you know, it starts with Boswell and Johnson and then it, you know, it starts with the Victorians, the Queen Victoria coming up and, and defining what the Highlands was. Um, so it is, it's a, it's a strange thing. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a manufactured um, um, romantic world picture. Yeah. And, um, yeah. It's why is it manufactured is a good question. You know, why does it exist like that? Who does it serve that that this is the world that that we all that we all live in? So that's that brings back to the other, you know, the other theme of the rich and the poor. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to remember back what your question was. Well, um 
really it's about the, the, the how you wanted to represent the, 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 the Highlands rather than, you know, have a... Cause, because in the book, as I say, it really does become the centre of the world for that time, not just Eamon and, and the people around him centre, but you do yeah. have this um, conference, for want of a better word, you have this yeah. threatening event, you know, possibly yeah. happening. And so, and the media does descend upon it. Yes. So in how I wanted to represent it was I wanted to represent, I want, as you say, I want to, the Highlands is a functioning part of the, of our country is a functioning part of the world. It's a real place and real things are happening. And and I, I, I suppose there is an element of dispelling the myth. Um, I mean, I, I live in a very, very tourist-centered part of the Highlands. I live right next to Loch Ness. It's like living next to the pyramids of Giza. Yeah. It's everyone in the world wants to come here and they all have a very particular thing that they want to see, not just the monster, but they want to see Brigadoon, that's what they want to see. And and I think part of that, part of my mission, if you like, is to dispel that in, in these books, is to dispel that. First of all, to dispel the irrelevance of the Highlands, the idea that Highland is the Highlands are an irrelevant place in and they're and they're merely a theme park. Yeah. So yes, yeah. I do, I do, I do have that. I mean, I was it's it's remarkable how um I mean I was I was learning just recently. The, the, the enormous significance of the Shetland Isles in the cocaine trade in Britain, which is something I only learned about recently, that there's huge quantities of drugs coming into Shetland. And you just wouldn't associate you know, yeah. that with that. You would imagine that Shetland, what is you know, Shetland? People think it's, you know, um, you know, it's 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 somehow in the past and somehow on the edge, but actually it's at the center of something which is very relevant to, to all of us, so. I think that about Inverness, if people have never been to Inverness, they might have an idea about it, but I've been up quite mm -hmm. a bit, and it's, it, every time I go, it's getting bigger, it's expanding or whatever. And then, you know, you've got the traffic through the Caledonia Canal, which, you know, is, it's, there's boats everywhere. You know, this is mm -hmm. not, you, you're more likely to bump into a boat than, bump into you know a monster or anything else like that it, it, and it has become I, I guess it's that thing you want the tourist the people who run it want the tourist trade to be as busy as possible but mm -hmm. the whole thing behind the tourist trade is that you're going somewhere which is almost untouched so mm -hmm. that's right as well and it's becoming more and more touched as the yeah. as the tourist trade increases and of course we've got this huge change going on in the landscape with them um, wind turbines going up everywhere and it becoming a real center for that. But that's been going on for a long time. I mean, my father came to the Highlands to build roads, you know, to the West um, and to work on the dams, you know, that were going up 50 years ago, you know, they're big hydroelectric dams. And so that process has been going on for a very long time. Um, but yes, I would say that there is a, there's just another Highlands that people don't don't know about. Of course, it's not as dramatic as maybe the plot lines in my book. But. <laughs> no, I think that would be that would be something if that became true. So your your publisher you're published by Scotland Street Press, and I'm interested how you came to work with them because you don't publish a huge amount of fiction. But so uh, how did you end up working with them? 
Well, actually, the the what happened to Scotland Street Press is it's a, um, it's actually a relative of mine who who, who runs Scotland Street Press, and um, but I I've been writing for quite a while, and I've been writing for the theatre prior to to um, I'd never been published as a as an author, but I've been writing for the theatre, and I'd been um, uh, involved in. Um, other aspects, you know, I've been working for children's television, always, a, always as a writer, but in a very minor role, you know, I was the kind of guy that people asked to chip in his two pence worth every now and again. And um, so I had this book, Errant Blood, and I'd, you know, I'd written it, but I'd, I'd, I'd put it to one side. And, you know, um, I'm actually a builder by trade. So I've been, you know, I'm a busy man. And I had this book and then I was approached, you know, um, by the publisher to to just to see you know what I had because they knew that I'd been writing been writing for years as as most writers <laughs> writing compulsively for a very long time um, so I have I have a sort of pile a slush pile of my own um, and then this is what came to the fore so it seemed but it seems to have got a, a reasonably good critical um, appraisal the errant blood. Yeah. And um, so that, that really encouraged, you know, that then then I then I got an agent and the agent said, write another one, you know, inspired me to insisted that I write another one. So so there's probably another one coming as well. That's what I was going this. to ask you. That was going to be my next question. Will there be uh, another uh, Dunkel story to tell? There's there's a pile of them in my head because I because there's a there's a pile of stuff that I want to look at, and I think that what I'll do with the next book is I'll be more. Um, I think the story will be less, um, will be more believable. In other words, to kind of bring it a bit more down to earth, less of a, you know, the first book the plot is quite out there, and yeah. then the second book is probably slightly less so. But I think that I'm going in the direction of, of something that's more mundane, but, but also you know really powerful stories i've got a couple of stories there things that but in the, but i'd like to do it in the same environment in yeah. the same with the same reference points and just bring something else in from the outside world that you can and it will be more it will be more in, on these political themes and and things that are relevant to us today uh, you know there's 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 terrible forces on the move as far as i can see and I think that there are things that we really have to scrutinize and question about ourselves and about the, the, the political environment that we are in the process of creating. We, you know, so that's what I want to, I want to use this as a way of doing that. And I hope I'm able to do it without becoming a, a, a tendentious, uh, you know, someone who's got a, someone's got a message. I don't, I don't want to be like that. I want, you know, it's got to be first and foremost, a, a good story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm really pleased about all those things. First of all, I think you've got some really great characters who I was so pleased to meet up with them again after, you know, Aaron Blood. It's like, oh, yeah. I mean, it'd been a while. Yeah, four years, I think, since Aaron Blood. Is that right? 2017? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, you have to kind of take a wee while to get back into them and go, oh, yeah, we're back. And I really enjoy spending time with a lot of these people. But also, there's... You've, you represent different points of view. It's not just you going with one polemic going, this is what I believe and I'm going to ram it down your throat. You're actually mm -hmm. asking the reader to think about these things for themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. in a thriller, that's still quite rare. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think that he, he's, the, it really comes from the main character, Eamon Ansgar. I mean, he's a guy who has, he, 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 he has his, you know, he's, he has, he lives in a castle. And, and, I, and, I, and I wanted that, the first, there's a very simple reason why I wanted to do that in the first place. So I wanted somebody to have the freedom and the means. I mean, initially, I wanted Eamon Ansgar to travel around the world, you know, having James Bond-style adventures. And, and that's that's why, but actually, he's become a really interesting character because because he's not he's not very he's not a very convinced person in either way either direction himself he's somebody who's a bit of a loss at, about what to do how to do it he's not a he's not a superhero by in fact most of the things he does if you if you if you go back and look at the book most of the things he does are really stupid and clumsy and he gets himself into a hell of a lot of trouble makes loads of mistakes and it's actually the people around him who are much more have much more agency in in solving problems i mean and he's got this relationship with his brother Stephen, stevie who lives in a caravan in the quarry down the road his half brother and um and i think that to me is the center of the book is that dynamic of course he's got his relationship with his wife as well which also provides another um balance to his his propensities and but he's not he's a bit of an idiot eamon ansgar and you know in lots of ways but and then you've got his brother Stevie, who, who really brings him down to earth, and he has this constant press presence, because his brother Stevie has no money at all, and he's, um, and he he so th that dynamic between him and and uh, Rona, his wife, and then Stevie's brother, they're what make Eamon a valuable agent in the story. I yeah. think without them, you know he'd be a, just a series of disasters himself. I mean, yeah. Because he almost follows these things for them, doesn't he? Certainly when things start to get a bit, you know, knife edge, then that's what motivates him, isn't it? That's what motivates him, but also he, 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 he's landed in this position of being a landlord and a landlord owner. You know, he's, an inher he's an inherited everything, but he's, he's not really an, he hasn't, he never actively pursued it. It's just, it's just where he's ended up in his life. And, and then he has to kind of find his way through life, like all of us. And um, he's, he's very wealthy. I mean, he's not, he's not that wealthy, but he, you know, comparatively pretty wealthy. But then, you see, I find that an interesting story because, you know, we're all living in the West. I've spent a lot of time living in, in Africa, in South Africa. And um, I've got lots of family out there. And the truth about all of us, really, in, in lots of ways, in 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 the West, is we are all, in, on a global scale, we're we're wealthy, mm -hmm. and um, we have to face the same dilemmas he has, or the same questions that he has to face about his standing in the community and the role he has to play, and how he, and we're uh, you know we're all he's he's like he's caught up in this system called capitalism as we all are we're all we all participate in it and we're caught in it and we're we're motivated by it and we're directed by it unbeknown a lot of the time unbeknownst to ourselves um and we have to we end up behaving in certain ways and making mistakes the, the part of the system that we're as you you could say trapped in yeah. um so that's I mean, that's why I find him more and more interesting the more I write about him. Um, because he's a wealthy guy, you know, 
and he has all these relationships with everyone you know that's not wealthy um and that's really something that i think certainly my life um uh, you know people people around me that's our lives are a lot, an awful lot to do with that they're an awful lot to do with capitalism they're an awful lot to do with making money and spending money and all that kind of stuff so i like to think at the root of it maybe there is this somewhere going to emerge in the long term out in the series with some kind of critique of the of the economic system that we live in because that is something that i'm thinking about but i don't know how it's going to emerge and how it's going to yeah it's interesting you're saying that because you do have uh, the anarchists manifesto i won't go into details at the end which is absolutely mm -hmm. you know the kind of most extreme way of, of breaking what you're talking about. And it's also interesting you talk about Eamon as a, a you know, this, a, an idiot, a, your words there, because if he may be mm -hmm. that, he's a well-meaning, he's trying to do the right thing. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. that's all you can do is try yeah. and do the right yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's very well-meaning and uh, caring, but he's, he's not, he doesn't always, you know, he's not, he's not doing the right thing. You know, he doesn't, a lot of the time he's making he's being very clumsy a very clumsy guy um in yeah. terms of relationships and all that kind of thing so he's yeah but he is where of course he's got to be well-meaning i mean you've got to have some empathy with the guy yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Too, Absolutely. Yeah. well callum it's been so lovely chatting to you and um, thanks very much for taking the time to do it and all the best with the purified Thank you very much, Alistair. Thanks for having me. It's been really interesting talking to you. It's been a great, it's been, it's been really good for me to, it's a good way of me thinking about the book. Oh, well, that, that's great. And we'll be back soon with someone completely different. Cheers. Mm -hmm.